everyone. Welcome to The Boot. That's right. It's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. This week, we trip into the dead zone and talk about the 1983 supernatural thriller starring Christopher Walken, Brooke Adams, Herbert Lom, Tom Skerritt, and Martin Sheen. This movie's so good. I enjoyed every minute of it. This movie is so weird. <laughs> it's entertaining. Christopher Walken as a romantic lead. That was a very interesting choice. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I love the, I love the romantic relationship. But also, yes. Christopher Walken ever grabbed your hand, and just started pronosticating the future to you, or like, if he grabs you and he's just like, "You're gonna die, you're gonna die," you'd be like, "Yeah, I probably am, Christopher. Please leave me alone." I would, I would call for help. That nurse in that one scene who's just kind of looking at him, I was like, "No, you, you get somebody to come help you. This man does not need to touch you." Don't you know who I am? Of course I know who you are. You think I'd have you come into my son's life without checking you out? But I hired you for your abilities as a teacher, not as a fortune teller. Now don't give me any argument. The ice is gonna break! I'm not crazy, you know. Don't let the boy think I am. I'm right about this. But we'll never know, will we? I Don't mean, be scared, just eat your cookies. You know what I mean, guys? <laughs> it's a motto I live by. <laughs> guys, welcome to The Boot, a movie reboot podcast where I, Brian Flynn, and my co-host, Kenneth Trent, take a classic Hollywood movie and recast it as if the movie was to be remade today. This week, we're talking about The Dead Zone. Uh, it's the last week of October, so we're going to go out in a weird Stephen King style. And I know what you're thinking. Yes, was this movie not a very successful television show that ran from 2002 to 2007? <laughs> Yes, but... Starring Anthony Michael Hall. Yes. Yes, but did anyone watch that show? You just It was very successful. I mean, it went seven seasons. It went seven seasons, so... Um, so a lot of people did, but we didn't, and I don't care, because I wanted we wanted to do something Stephen King-y, and we thought that this might be a prime candidate for reboot territory. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get into it, because I, I think it might be. Um, but before we do, let's talk about some real reboot news. Training Day prequel in the works at Warner Brothers. Um, I think that says that all. So, Training Day, the very successful 2001 crime drama directed by Antoine Fuqua, with a script by David Ayer. Um, well, I guess Warner Brothers is tapped, has tapped Blacklist scribe Nick Yarborough to write a prequel to the movie, starring Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke. Let's see. So I haven't really seen Training Day. I've weirdly seen the end of Training Day. What happens in the end? You've never heard that speech? Where, no. Where, like, the, the, the neighborhood turns on Denzel as, like, a crooked cop? Mm-mm. I've never seen Training Day. And he starts screaming at everyone. He's like, I got evidence on all you motherfuckers. Well, I don't oh, know wow. if he says motherfuckers. Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. Huh? You think you can do this shit? I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go on, walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Hire Brian to rewrite this to write this prequel yeah he's got the voice of the uh, characters down <laughs> so uh, they're gonna take um the project is still in the very early stages so there's no director attached yet and i'm not even sure who would produce why why collider why are you writing in first person this property though is very hot because they the only reason it's 
not still on TV because it was a TV series is because Bill Paxton passed. Oh, he was um, the and he was the Denzel the character. Denzel character in the TV version. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Training Day prequel will follow a younger version of Alonzo Harris, a career-defining role that brought Washington his second Oscar and his first as a lead. Uh, so it would be the character of Alonzo Harris, who I I would assume eventually becomes a crooked cop. And so the prequel would sort of show you like how he got how he got there. there. Did they make a this is a I don't know why this popped in my head. Did they make a prequel to Scarface? Did I imagine that? I don't, I've never seen Scarface and I, I don't know anything about it, but for some reason I imagine that would happen. Scarface the beginning. Who was in it? Oh, it's a book. <laughs> Did you read this book and forget? So it's, I, maybe I somehow read Scarface the beginning. Uh, never mind. I, I don't know. I, this is just, I was going to say something about like a prequel movie to a character that we know their ultimate fate i don't know is this is this like yeah. ripe for storytelling here like what do we do we care i mean i guess it depends on how they play it like if if this journey that denzel's character takes is interesting sure but i mean there's a chance that they just wouldn't they wouldn't play it right and the whole time we're just like i mean he's not a he's not a good guy like the exorcist prequel right dominion mhm did we need that did we need to know like I mean, uh, there's a lot of prequels we don't need. There's a lot of sequels we don't need. There's a lot of reboots we don't need. No. This podcast shouldn't exist <laughs> is what we're trying to say. Every episode, we're trying to argue the point that this podcast shouldn't, shouldn't, exist. shouldn't exist. But we do it for We you. hate ourselves so <laughs> much. Um, do we have anything else really to say about Training Day? I don't no. even know if we said anything really groundbreaking about I this mean, article. That's but. what editing's for, I guess. Grease spinoff series Rydell High, ordered by HBO Max. Guys, HBO Max is going a hundred miles an hour with these these announcements they're making about what's going to be on HBO Max. A new iteration of Grease is in the works. The upcoming Warner Media streaming service has given a series order to Grease Colon Rydell High, a musical series inspired by the 1978 film. It's going to be set in and around Rydell. It reimagines the global smash hit movie Grease with familiar as well as new characters. See, that's a problem. Per HBO Max's description. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why? Okay, is that let a me. <laughs> it's per HBO Max's description. It's still the 1950s, a world that rocks with big musical numbers from the period combined with original, new original songs as well. It's the peer pressures of high school, the horrors of puberty, and the roller coaster of life in middle America with a modern sensibility that will bring it to life for today's musical lovers. The reason that's a problem is if you set the movie during the same, if you set the show during the same time as the movie, you're setting it up to be like, oh, we're going to have people who play. Danny and Sandy and Rizzo and uh, Frenchie. Like, we don't need that. Yeah. Instead, make it more like a fame thing where it's like Rydell is just full of like musical kids and we follow their adventures as they sort of sing along with it. Like, why do we need to bring in the old characters? Because they want the songs. I think that's that's the reason. But we don't want the songs. I don't want the songs. We don't want this show. I absolutely hate Grease having really having like never seen it. But I am just I was so traumatized by the every girl in middle school who just would like break out into this musical all the time. And I was just I mean, it's coming from a place of contrarianism, but I still am just like, please stop this. Grease is a classic. Yeah, there's problems with it. 
I mean, it's so it have, good. Like the end, isn't the ending like very problematic? Like a girl changes herself completely to be with this guy who's. I feel like we've who talked lied about. about I feel like we've talked about this before because the the thing is she changes herself because she just wants to come out of, I don't think she changes herself because she wants to please Danny. I think she's like, it's time for me to make a change in my life. But the interesting thing is Danny changes too. We just don't focus on that because she is the one who becomes like the sex bomb. You gotta be kidding me. Hey, Danny, hello, hello, hello. Hey, hey, what is this, Halloween? Where did you swipe this Letterman sweater, huh? My tools were out stealing hubcaps on Letterman track. How do you like that? <laughs> I can't believe it. Danny Zuko turned jock? That's right, I did. What are you doing, deserting us? Well, you guys can't follow a leader all your lives, can you? Oh, come on, guys. You know you mean a lot to me. It's just that Sandy does, too, and I'm going to do anything I can to get her. That's right. They both change for each other, and then when they come together, they realize that they just like each other enough to make shifts in their life. And sure, they're 35 and playing 17-year-olds, but it's really sweet. And then their car flies off into the sky. Who doesn't want that? I don't have anything else to say about Grease. I'm not a fan. I don't care about this. Uh, We have a whole movie about Christopher Walken that we have to get to. So why don't we just get out of the news? Guys, if you're a big training day freak or greasehead... Uh, are these nicknames that people use? No. No. Um, well, just get excited because the, the machine churns on and it keeps churning out the same old movie. Um, are you ready to talk about this movie? Yes. Great. Guys, this is our reboot of The Dead Zone. Now, touch my hand. Hey, John, touch my hand. Tell me, is, is my house on fire, John? Do you want me to stop no, this? Tell you about your house. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? Do you want to you want to know the future? You want to know if you're going to die? Is that it? You're going to die. I'm going to die. You want to know if you're going to die tomorrow? Is that right? You want to know why your sister killed herself? All right. You don't go. It's not all right. It's okay. It's not okay. Okay. I'd like to tell you now. I'm not going to talk about that. Let go of me, you fucking freak. I'm sure there's some like Stephen Kingy reason why she dies immediately after that that we just don't know in the movie. Yeah, I I kept thinking like is she because in the book which I I read so long ago he has these visions as a kid and like an accident or or maybe he has an accident and then he starts getting the visions and then the second accident the coma like turns it on like full blast right what. In the book, The Dead Zone. He has two accidents? Yeah, in the beginning he has an accident when he's a kid, and then he has an accident later as an adult. Or So like he's always had the power. Yeah. Or yeah, or it's like he, he has the premonition early and then there's a the accident when he's an adult and it like kicks it into high gear. And I started watching this movie and I was like like two things. One is this maybe all the Stephen King stands out there can tell us this. Is this a version of the shining? Is this sort of the same kind of Does it exist in the same, like... Because this takes place in Castle Rock. It does. Shout it's out part to of, Castle Rock. It's part of that, like, Stephen King universe. Yes. Um, so I was wondering if this is sort of a version that, of The Shining that, like, Danny Torres has and, like, hmm. a lot of characters in The Dark Tower seem to have. The second thing, it also seemed when the mom starts having, like, this weird seizure, 
it didn't seem like she was just like overwhelmed with emotion and then like collapsed because of heart problems. It it seemed like she was having some weird feedback yeah. loop. Like, because like, she's watching it and getting upset. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe she has the thing. I don't know. It was a little weird. And third thing, if this takes place in Castle Rock, why isn't Tom Skerritt in Castle Rock? Uh, I don't know. Like, why Why aren't we taking advantage of that? I just need people to- Is pay- he still around? Yes, I checked. Because oh. I, as I was watching, I was enjoying him so much that I said, Tom Skerritt, you better still be well, alive. Well, here's the thing. I This movie, when I realized that this takes place in Castle Rock, which is a show that I think we both- really enjoyed yes um i know i did yeah i went into a deep dive of like stephen king's shared universe specifically about the sheriffs of castle rock mm. so alan pangborn played by stephen played by scott, uh, glenn. scott lang glenn glenn scott lang is ant-man <laughs> played by scott glenn alan pangborn took over for sheriff bannerman played by tom scarrett mm. after the events of cujo which take place after the events of dead zone we want Scarrett. So Scarrett's character would be dead in season one of Castle Rock. But there's so much time travel. They really missed an opportunity to cast Tom Scarrett in their show. Who doesn't want Tom Scarrett in their show? I Everyone does. Was he in was Top Gun? He? Yes. No, yeah. <laughs> Cheers? Yes. The Dead Zone, directed by David Cronenberg. A uh, famous director of such movies as *The Fly* and *History of Violence*. Um, I, I've the 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 very limited amount of movies of Cronenberg's I've seen. I tend to really enjoy them, and I remember that we were trying to pick between this and S- *Dead Ringers*, and I think we landed on this because of the whole Stephen King aspect. But I love Cronenberg movies like *History of Violence*, *Eastern Promises*. I think those movies are classics, really. Um, do um you- I'm not sure I would call *A History of Violence* or *Eastern Promises* classics. <laughs> But, um, they're yeah. so good. I mean, I can't, it's not that they're not good. Honestly, I feel like I just, I haven't seen that much. I just haven't seen that much Cronenberg. Cronenberg. I mean, I've, I haven't seen much of his like horror. Honestly. Scanners. I have, yeah, I haven't seen scanners. I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen the much of the fly. This, this podcast is just about stuff that I really haven't seen. <laughs> but I like that this, uh, this movie is called Existence. Existence. Oh, oh, it's got Jude Law in it. I gotta watch this okay. movie. Uh, the movie stars Christopher Walken as Johnny Smith, the most fake name in all of literature <laughs> or cinema. Uh, Brooke Adams as Sarah Bracknell. Herbert Lom as Doctor Sam Wyzak. Tom Skerritt, obviously, as Sheriff Bannerman, and Martin Sheen as Congressman Greg Stilson. Um, Martin Sheen, weirdly playing like a young political upshot. Yeah. Pot like destined to become president, but in like the anti uh Jared Bartlett sort of way, like literally Yeah. Coin flip between the character he later played in the West Wing. Yeah. He plays a great uh political figure. <laughs> I know. We just believe him as we president, just him I guess. As someone so. who would run for office. Um I had this weird thought. Okay. Could this movie work? If it was a global story as opposed to a local American story. Now, I know that's not the most Stephen King book. Like, it probably pushes it out of Stephen King territory and more into, like, Dan Brown territory. Mm. Um, But I, like, I thought about this for a little while. And then I realized that this might be the kind of thinking that gets you Tom Cruise 
as Johnny, you know what I mean? Where it's like, let's make this a global how, affair. How you know? do you how do you mean global? Like his like he becomes famous in a much larger sphere or like the threat to the, threat the world to comes the world from comes like a from a larger place. a larger environment. Maybe sh- maybe Bannerman is like FBI and not a local sheriff. Oh, okay. Um, maybe Wyzak is I don't know a, like a like a known intellectual or academic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it was huh. just something that popped in my head. Like you're right that it would get you in a much bigger area of actor, but. I don't know. There is something lovely about the small towniness of of like the Stephen King of it all being like, okay, yeah, this is a huge ordeal that like millions of people should know about, mm-hmm. but it's just contained in a little area. People don't talk about it. It, it is matter. It is very strange that this movie, um, where where uh, it, it like it seems really weird that like the, this whole town a knows that Johnny has powers and b completely accepts them as real and completely normal. Um, this is such a it's such a book adaptation like story is presented to us in such a way that like everybody is just like got it check move on like we are burning through the story and I think it's because they didn't want to take time to be like okay but like if people really found this stuff out we would have to stop for 15 minutes of story just to be like everybody's freaking out right and they just don't do there's a man now who can like see the future yeah Uh, even he's not even weirded out yeah, he's like pained and reclused and like cuz that point like literally as I was I was typing the note of like why isn't he more concerned for himself? He was like, I'm scared. Well, cuz he lost everything. I think he's sort of like at this point where he's like, is there a point to living because I've already lost so much that it's like Well, let's get into John cuz I feel like we need to get to Sarah to talk about all yeah. that he's lost. So, I this movie, like, thinking about it, I didn't go in a global way because I was just kind of like, that makes everything really complicated. Mm-hmm. So I stuck to, like, a smaller town thing. But it, this this idea still had a very, like, M. Night Shyamalan comic book vibe in my head. So picking actors to play the hero and villain seemed, like, really important to me in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept thinking, like, well, they should physically represent the duality like unbreakable and mr glass have you know what i mean and for johnny i really wanted to pick an actor first of all very interesting to have christopher walken as this character like he's terrifying in this movie like and he's the romantic lead like he's He's the hero we're supposed to be like very soft towards him yeah and he's not a soft guy crazy amy amy is my daughter's name your daughter's screaming the house is burning your daughter's in the house it's not too late. Like in the. But do you, do you think that's because we we have developed a persona for because like at the time, do you think when people saw this movie, they were like, "What?" No, I think people were like, "Oh, what a great, interesting performance." I think we have the benefit of knowing Christopher Walken for like kind of being a terrifying actor. Like, I mean. I think you and I know him from like Sleepy Hollow. I was gonna and, say he talks about Sleepy uh, Hollow a lot in the movie too, which just recalls the like Batman Returns. Uh, I, you know, Seven Psychopaths kind of Christopher yeah. Walken. Hairspray. Hairspray. Christopher Walken. The most terrifying of all. Christopher that Walken. time he did that Fat Boy Slim music video. Christopher <laughs> Walken. <laughs> we always forget he's a classically trained dancer. Uh, um. So this one was a little strange. Like I, I kept thinking like. 
for Johnny, I I wanted to pick an actor that's going to give you that underdog vibe, uh, that can play a person who's had every chance at a normal life taken away from them. Uh, in contrast to Greg Stilson, who I think probably I'll get into Stilson later, but there's I have a feeling that like Greg Stilson has some kind of opposite power from Johnny. Mm. Like Johnny can see the future for everyone but himself. Yeah, and. Stilson keeps saying that he sees these singular visions about him. Mm. And so I kept thinking that, like, Johnny has a life taken away from him, and Stilson's life he's taking for himself. Like, he's rising to power because he sees how things are going to work for him and only him. Like, maybe Johnny could see for himself if he would just hold his he just own holds, If he would just hug himself, he'd just hold himself. Anyways, um, <laughs> I ended up picking Paul Dano. Who got on the news this week? I was like, gonna right say, as I picked him, I was like, interesting choice considering he's. I picked him, and then literally the next day they were like, "Hey, he's gonna be the Riddler." And yeah. I was like, okay, but he has a very like Ichabod Crane quality to him. Which yeah, I really. There's like. something very disarming, but a yeah. little weird about him. And I think Johnny has like the like this role um, has. You have to have the range of like like Johnny post the accident trying to get back his normal life. Johnny, like, having this, like, a crazy superpower, the, like, mm-hmm. this sort of weird stir of echoes, kind of weird vision stuff. Um, and he's not... And then, you know, I guess the Johnny that realizes that he has to, like, assassinate Stilson. I don't know. I think Paul Dano is an incredible... Have, have you seen Swiss Army Man? No. Oh, man. It is so good. And he plays, like, an insane, insane character in that movie. Hmm. Um I think that's something, though, that we we can expect out of Paul Dano is that this movie is insane. Like, you play a character who literally wakes up and has this supernatural ability, and yet we shouldn't be be upset about You know, like, there mm-hmm. are actors that, like, okay, if, if on the global scale of things you cast someone like Tom Cruise in this. Right. That would be a very different journey of us being like, oh, Tom Cruise is uh, magic now. Like... <laughs> But, like, with Paul Dano, you get that smaller, more, like, indie movie feel of, yeah. like, oh, Paul Dano's magic now? Okay, and, and cool. I like Let's do this. I like Paul Dano, one, on his talent, and I hope this doesn't come off as disrespectful, but he doesn't seem heroic in any way. And I don't think Johnny should be... I mean, yeah, there's, like, a whole category of actors who aren't, like, just aren't, like, they're not, like, action heroes. He's not, like, Henry Cavill Superman, like, no. you know what I mean? Who'd you pick? So, for my John... I hate saying Johnny. Johnny He's an adult man. He's, and his name is Johnny Smith? He's an adult. Like, you shouldn't call a grown-up Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. And he's only he was only in a coma for five years. Like, it's not like he was Johnny. Mm-hmm. In the anyway, um, I I feel like we've got we've to rein some things in with Johnny. Um, for one, I have a lot of questions about his tutoring business. <laughs> Um, most of them are about that little kid in a business suit. Hey, you okay? Why are you crying, Johnny? Johnny? The little Rushmore boy. It's very creepy (laughs) that people just drop these children off at this single man's home and they read to him for like an hour. What was that part in the movie where like uh, Sarah and her new husband show up to like oh campaign for Stilson and the boy comes in and he's just like, 
where are you going, Johnny? It's, it's not so, fun without you. It's so <laughs> creepy how he's like, no, come on back. We're not done. It's and not I'm like, fun to read without you. <laughs> I feel weird watching this. Um, so I agree with a lot of your points. I feel like we should. there should be someone in the part of Johnny. Uh-huh. John. Should be someone in this part who is just immensely likable. Because uh, I think we really have to be willing to go on a journey with him. Uh, but also someone who can sort of crumble before us as he comes to terms. Because honestly, I want Johnny to be a little more like unhinged by this than Christopher Walken is. Yeah. Because um, it's crazy to me that he's not like, somebody help! <laughs> he's like, why is this happening to me? He never has that moment. The- he's always just like, I guess, like... This is me now. Like, truly the only time we see him really, like, react about it is when uh, Tom Skerritt is like, you know, if God gave you this gift, you should use it. And he's just like, God, what God? Bless me. You know what God did for me? He threw an 18-wheel truck at me, bounced me into nowhere for five years. When I woke up, my, my, my girl was gone, my job was gone, my legs are just about useless. Bless me. God's been a real sport to me. I picked William Jackson Harper. Mm, good place. Uh, from The Good Place. Midsommar. And Midsummer. And I feel like I like him a lot for this because he is a really likable guy. I think in everything we've seen him in, we are on his side. But also, he has this sort of, he has this ability to, I think, react in a very honest and true way, but not a way that's like... He's not smashing vases and screaming. Yeah. He is. I mean, but that moment is so amazing. I think those are the moments where we're like, I love Christopher Walken because he does seem like he's super dangerous. He is out of control. His yeah. delivery is incredible. Um, But also like the world around him is so weird that uh-huh. nothing about it. Uh, makes sense. But anyway, I like William Jackson Harper for this because I think there is something about him that makes us want to go on a weird journey yeah. with him. Like, we're just on his side. He's really good. Are you saying that your version of Johnny would sort of have a moment of like, like, why is this happening to me? Or why is this even like yeah, I mean, possible. Yeah, even if even if it's very small at the beginning of, and it takes because here's the thing: after he touches Doctor Why We Wyzak Wyzak Sleezak um, Sleezak, he uh, weren't was that what those things are called in Land of the Lost Sleezaks? I don't remember. Um, Sleestacks. Anyway, so it's after the moment when he touches him and is like, "Your mom's still alive," and he confirms that, mm-hmm. like. There should be that moment before where he's like, I don't understand what's happening to me. And then Dr. Wiesak is like, okay, like, I believe you. We can, like, let's work through this. Where it's like, okay, then yeah. Like, but we just need to have a moment before that where we kind of see him be like, I don't, like, this is weird. Or, to your point, we should have a moment where he's like, you know, I've always had this sort of weird uh, inclination. And now it feels like it is just, like, right there. And so then we just get confirmation that he is recognizing that there's something weird happening. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah. He is just, he's just blowing up at people. The other weird thing is like John's, John, John's dad, Johnny's dad. uh, (laughs) Johnny's papa. (laughs) John's dad doesn't think it's weird at all either. No. Yeah. Nobody reacts. He's like, it's all right, John. Like, 
You know, he, who was the one who was like, who asks, like, what does it feel like? And, and Johnny's just like, when it happens, when the spells come, it feels like, I don't know. It feels like I'm dying. Oh my God. Then why don't you say, why have we talked about yeah, this? Like you're we, a main character. Why are we delving into this? Like and they I should want, do everything to stop it. And I want somebody to like experience their feelings. Like in the last season of The Good Place. I think it was the last season or the season before where Chidi has like the full breakdown is yeah. making like the crazy chili. Like I want that where you're like, okay, like bring it back, rein it in. We're going to do this. And he needs the other characters. Truly. Yeah. We're just like burning through people who are just like, oh, okay, weird. Right. I think you make a great point that like before John meets Sheriff Bannerman, he shouldn't be in a good spot. Yeah. And Bannerman should be the one that like focuses him and be like, Hey, like you can do this. You, there can be some good that comes from this. Which, honestly, is probably how we arrived at the TV series. If somebody was like, what's the interesting thing about this? Is that yeah. he can he can He's do help good people. in the world. Let's match him up with a, let's make this procedural. Right. Call it a day. Right. Anthony Michael Hall. I don't love the idea of Dead Zone being a procedural, really, though. But the thing is, having watched this, I'm like, yeah, I, I see the obviousness of why that's appealing. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to Sarah? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, it's your turn, but I really gotta stay. I, I gotta say this. Uh, <laughs> it is a shocking move by Sarah to have sex about ten feet away from her newborn baby. <laughs> okay, like so. <laughs> wow. Here's the thing: the heartbreak, which I would have enjoyed an entire movie about their relationship, because the heartbreak involved. Because at one point he does say, he's like, for you, it's been five years. For me, it was yesterday yeah. that I last saw you. And she is married. She is a child. She's got a fresh haircut. She's totally different. She's a new woman. She's not even teaching anymore. New women. And we're fine with that because we're like, yeah, obviously. Like, she probably stuck around for a little while and then was like, I really don't know what's happening. Wish you the best. I got to go. That's great. We're not mad at her for that. Right. But it is so heartbreaking to see him dealing with the emotions of, I was going to marry you, and now I like that's just not going to happen. And it is a bold move for her to show up one day and just be like, hey, I know we said we'd, like, I think it's time, when really... She doesn't have to. She like she doesn't owe him any. Like she doesn't have to do no. this. Like the feel. It's it's interesting how they display those emotions. Because I'm like, does she want to be with him, or is she? It almost seems like she's like placating a feeling that she's getting from him. Well, I think um, two 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 things. One, I think you're correct about like she doesn't owe him anything. But I do disagree with you that like she hasn't seen him in years. I do think that it's like really tragic that they that she's like, I'm going to give you the gift of playing house for one day. Dad's been carrying on with Charlene McKenzie ever since her husband died. She's got him over there building one thing or another. But if you ask me, it's the company she wants more than the bookcases. I heard that. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I made that for John the night he was born. Oh, it's an excellent chair. So what have you two been up to all day? Making bookcases. <laughs> Sit down. Dinner's ready. It's like, does, is that going to help him in any way? No. The second thing It is, hurts. It hurts. The second <laughs> thing, though, is you're forgetting that he also has a fresh cut. And he goes to the barber <laughs> and he's like, give me the finger in the electrical socket. That's what I want to look like. This dude's hair is bananas. Like He I goes from the- 1978 to 1983 in a heartbeat. And it is like... 
What is on your head, dude? It is a... I actually had this thought because I was like, I saw, I was on IMDb and so I saw the picture of, um, the picture that's current of him on IMDb and I was like, huh. And I looked back at the TV and I was like, he's just always had the same. <laughs> I think it's the texture of his, he's always had the same hair. It's the same hair that he wears as the headless horseman in Sleepy Hollow. It's just sort of the shock up. Yeah. It's kind always of. like trained upwards. Yeah. It's, it's insane. But I, the this, it's. What I like about Sarah is that this creates a big thing that I feel like we should make bigger because truly like a central thing about his like whole coming back to the world of it all yeah. is um, is the fact that like he he doesn't have her anymore. Yeah. And literally yesterday in his mind, like that's like. They were they were getting married. That right. was it. Um, she was going to invite him up. She invited him upstairs. Yeah. And now the offer's off the table, guys. Guys, girls, anyone? Nope. Not going to say this. That's bad advice. What were you going to say? I was going to say you never take know the offer. I you're never you never know what could happen. Yeah, take the offer. I guess, um, but it has to be offered first, people. That's true. Yes. Must be offered first. Yes. That 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 uh, situation was very clear in the movie, and we appreciate that. Uh, but I also love his mother, who was just like, your woman was disloyal? Torch it. We like, don't need her, We don't need Johnny. this. Um, okay, so for my Sarah, honestly, this is a weird part because it's not super huge. Yeah. So it's not like a big female lead, but I wanted to give it to someone who is very capable and, again, very sympathetic. Like, we... We want to be on Sarah's side too. We get nobody's wrong in this situation. It's just really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked Amanda Seyfried, mm-hmm. who I think is beautiful, capable, incredible. I think we would enjoy the push and pull between these two characters. Yeah, she has the. Qual- I think Sarah. I, th- I think Sarah has a quality. I was going to ask you this after. I think it's a great pick. Um, do you think we can do more with Sarah or do you think she's really just a symbol of everything Johnny will have to sacrifice to save the world? Like it's, is she just, is she more than just everything Johnny can't have because he now has to go down this road of saving humanity? I would love to see more of Sarah interacting with Stilson Mm -hmm. because she's very clearly a big part of the like campaign. Right. Um, and I would also love to see a solo scene with her and her husband. Right. That is very, like, I want to see her, oh, because this really made me sad when she's leaving the hospital after seeing him for the first time, and she just, like, has to stop and, like, cry and let it out, and then I would love to see the scene after that where she goes home and has to immediately, like, see her husband and her child and be like, okay, this is this is the life I chose. Right. Like, I, I can't have that right. anymore. That's, that's absolutely what we need. Well, Amanda Seyfried, to me, not that I love this idea, but... Um, if we're thinking of Sarah through John's point of view, she could really sort of physically in, encapsulate like like unattainable. Does that make sense? Like John can he can never really have her again. Yeah. Um. Although he probably still holds out hope that I don't know. Which is why it's so problematic that yeah. she shows up and sort of just like offers this up again. Because I'm like, man. Yeah. You don't want him to, especially because when we see her husband, I was just like, upgrade. <laughs> I, yeah. Here's what I was thinking about that. Because her, her husband is like a a better looking guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They have similar passions. They're on the campaign trail right. together. I keep seeing Sarah as someone who's not only moved on from Johnny, but maybe is now in a different social class than Johnny. Oh. Uh, like, huh. In, in this version, like, everyone's still kind of blue collary. Like, yeah. everyone's still kind of like, you know, there's no real, like, um, I don't know, s- s- large gap in status between really anyone. But I, I feel like in today's world, like to really sell the point that Johnny has lost a lot of stuff, like he's lost his job, his mother's dead. He has to move to like some random house, like outside Castle Rock and just be like left alone. And I kept thinking like Sarah would probably now be someone who married, maybe she married up. Mm-hmm. Like this is not my doing. This is unfortunately society doesn't pay teachers very well. So yeah. maybe she met like, a very handsome, very wealthy man. Um, and I feel like uh, that could really show people that they're like just as a part. Yeah. And, and in some way, Sarah might hate that she kind of fell into this kind of world and, and sees Johnny and is like, maybe she's a little more comfortable from like where, where they used to, where she came from or where they, I don't know if they grew up together or whatever, but like where they used to be compared to like now. And then, like, she's working on this campaign. You're right. Like, I-, I see what you're saying, though, where, like, it. I could see Amanda Seifert doing this really well, where when we see them for the first time and they're just, like, young teachers in school mm-hmm. and they're having fun, like, just, like, small town. being in the same yeah. environment. Like, they're just, you can tell they're young, vibrant. I can see her looking a certain way and it being very sort of, like... Yeah, and then the next time you see her, she is like sleek hair, mm-hmm. done up, designer clothes, like that's just her new life. Right, I kept thinking like we need to show a little more of Sarah's past between the years where Johnny goes in the coma and where when he comes out. Like, Should I this thinking, movie be about Sarah? <laughs> almost should be. I just sort of, I'm like, you know, she probably couldn't go back to work, you know? So that's probably like why she has this career change. Anyways, I ended up picking uh, Rachel Brosnahan. Oh, I love that. I think, and I'm thinking more like House of Cards, Rachel Brosnahan, less like Miss Maisel, Rachel Brosnahan. But I kept thinking like, well, maybe with Johnny, she's more like open and fun. And then when she's like with her husband, it's like very serious and very business. And then that kind of dynamic, she starts realizing that she doesn't like herself with her husband. But, you know, like you said, like she, this is the life she's chosen. This is the bed she's made. So that like when she decides to do the... I can't tell if this is really lovely or actually really horrible, but when she goes to Johnny's house and like cooks dinner for her and her dad and her dad's like, oh, it's great to have a family here. Whether that was like, is that a really good fucking idea or is this a really bad idea? Also, where does your husband think you are? Girl, you know where he, (laughs) he knows. Like when he goes to the door and she's like, oh, Johnny, Johnny, this is my husband. He's like, like, this is Johnny. He's like, oh. This is my husband, Walt. Nice to meet you, finally, John. I've uh, I've heard Sarah talk about you so often. We'll let you get back to work. Uh, We've got a lot of ground to cover ourselves. Nice to meet you. Uh, Don't forget who to vote for on Election Day. So I think... Maybe she told him. I don't know. Um, Also, they named their child Denny. Not Dennis. Denny. Not Danny. Not Danny. Danny. Or Daniel. Denny. So that's pretty boring. Uh, anyway, Doctor We Doctor Wezak. Do we ever hear his name come out during yeah. the movie? Is he, that how it's he pronounced? He introduces himself when Johnny wakes up and he's standing there ready to greet Johnny. And so I wrote down how long has Doctor Wezak 
been standing there because I think it was the whole time. <laughs> All five years. All five years. Yeah, Dr. Sam Wiesak, Wiesak, played by Herbert Lom. I don't know if anyone really knows, but... I, I'm going to be bold and say... Yeah, is he in anything else famous? I didn't even bother. Um, because he is not a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> I found... I just... I really felt like something was missing from these scenes. Um, yeah, I, I think he tries to play... Or how they try and play this character is that... Wyzak has some medical interest in Johnny... That yeah. eventually turns into a personal friendship, but that's not really explored. But the thing is, I love that. I love the idea of him being like, "Okay, I've seen I've seen this firsthand, and I want to be your I want to be your partner in helping you figure this out." But they play it as if he has no friends at all, right? John and or Doctor Wyzak? <laughs> John, but Doctor Wyzak probably who knows? Yeah. And that's the I mean, thing. Even is maybe his it- mom left him. You know what I mean? Like this guy's a loser. You were right, John, about my mother. I got the number from information. That it was right in the phone book. Did you talk to her? No, I didn't. I, um, she came to the phone, but I, I, I just couldn't talk to her. I, I hung up. Why? Why? Because it wasn't meant to be. This guy's a real loser. Capital L loser. I did have this very like existential moment where I was like, when this movie was made, the timing of it was, I mean, it was, it was, you know, essentially like 40 years apart, but still I was like, the timing of it is such that you could create a character who, who was separated from his mom, like during World War II and, Mm -hmm. you know, moved to America and all this stuff. And I was just like, wow, isn't that insane that in, like even in the eighties, like it was the Holocaust was like recent enough history that you could use it as a trauma. Yeah, I don't know why, but that blows my mind. It's really weird, guys. Never again. <laughs> anyway, so um, which we'll get back into that when we get to Stilson. Well, but now, now I want to ask you, like, are you recasting this as a present day movie that takes place in a period of time? Like, it, is it still in the eighties? Are you cast? Are we remake? Are you your version? Is your version set in twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen. Okay, minus two. Um, yeah, and it would just it would just have to be a different sort of tra- maybe more like a very smaller trauma, mm-hmm. honestly, a smaller like on the scale of the world. Um, um I, I but think I'm going. Yes. Um, yeah, I was sort of thinking like, well, instead of you know World War Two, maybe it's like, oh, I'll, I'll explain. Okay, so I cast Forrest Whitaker as Dr. Wyzak because he gives a lot of like a very he's he he plays intelligent really well um I can see him as someone who like is the first person to believe mm-hmm. this is happening to John and then turning from that like academic I want to study your brain to like I only want what's best for you like yeah I- I'll protect you from the media and other weird the scientific community and I, the the trauma thing I was like oh well maybe instead of like World War II there was like some incident during the civil rights era. Like maybe yeah. his mom grew up in like the deep South and, you know, they got separated through, you know, because of some, you know, anti, like not anti-Semitic, but some like neo-Nazi shit or some KKK, you yeah. know, just 
whatever. Um, Which again, isn't it insane that it's happened in such recent history that we can draw from that? Yeah, I I think people are terrible. <laughs> it's just never forget. Um, so yeah, interesting. That's a really interesting choice. I do think that he is the kind of person. He's the kind of actor who can play the sympathy of. I believe you and I want to help you, which is ultimately the key to Wezak. Okay, so for my, I picked, I feel like I went a sort of weird direction for my Dr. Wezak. Um, I picked Helen Hunt. Oh. And that might seem like a wild card, but. I like that. No, I really like I that. like, I like the, uh, maybe the ease into um, emotional intelligence that a woman would have in helping this man come out of his coma. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like... You're saying she would have much better bedside manner after five years? Yes. Um, Instead of just bringing... Instead of, A, not telling him, and then bringing his parents in to just be like... The Lord has delivered you from your trance. Remember what we discussed, Mrs. Smith, please. What's she talking about? Shh. You've been in a coma, Johnny. Not a trance. Coma. For how long? We're just glad to have you back, son. That's all that matters. How long? Dad. How long? Five years. I I was gonna say like that is the worst way Ugh. to deliver th- this news. No one's saying anything. Everyone's crying. And then his mother goes like super religious on him. It, it's terrible. They don't treat him well. No. Um, but I also just like her as an ally, which again, like I feel like it would just, we would just have to come up with a different sort of um, trauma for her to, for him to identify in right. her. The trauma really but, weirdly doesn't define their character. It's just, just like a thing. It's just like proof of proof They of shot like a whole scene with like big explosions <laughs> shot, to like explain this of fucking saving private ryan and, and they then show they, for two minutes and then nothing we don't we don't hear any more from him about him being like wow like this this is changed my entire life to know that my mother who i thought died in poland is alive he doesn't even, I mean, he doesn't even like talk to her, which is really sad either, too. I don't know. He's a, he's a bad doctor. He's a bad doctor. <laughs> he really does not have a control on his own emotional intelligence to be able to help I him. I like but- that pick. Like, I, you just, it's like, picture Helen Hunt. Picture her wearing a lab coat. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? It just makes Step sense. Step one, it picture just- an actor. Step two, do they look like a doctor? Do they Step look like three. a doctor? No, but she, she also has like, I don't know, like. Maybe just twisters in my brain. Like, it's it's very hard. Oh, to twisters deli- always in my brain too. <laughs> it's very hard to deliver <laughs> like scientific data as dialogue, and she, I don't know. She does it very well, and I would believe like if I, if she came into a conference room full of doctors and was like, "Listen, this patient of mine, uh, through physical contacts, can somehow <laughs> see the future, yeah, and the past. It is a hundred percent correct." I think everyone in that room would be like, this is the most profound scientific discovery that like anyone has ever found. <laughs> most other people would be like, okay, like maybe you should take a vacay. It's short for vacation. 
<laughs> vacay short for vacation. Which is interesting because part of me wants to be like, I feel like I wouldn't believe Forrest Whitaker if he said that. I'd be really? like, crazy Forrest Whitaker. Well, then maybe but that... I'm thinking about Rogue One. Yeah. Saw Gerrera. <laughs> but maybe that helps uh, Wyzak and Johnny's relationship then because it's like maybe yeah, it's just like they're two, two guys. Just two guys looking for friends. You know what I mean? Just two wild and crazy guys. One's mom is dead. One's mom is alive, but pretended to be dead. Like she, she didn't pretend to be dead. But she never looked for him. <laughs> That's true. I mean, maybe she. Th- I... <sighs> she never looked each, for him. Each of these, I I don't know how long the dead zone is as a book, but it makes sense because I'm like, I guarantee you, you need 500 pages to dissect yeah. each of these. It's, it was about that. Which is how. Um, it was a it was a thick soft cover, if I remember. Um. <laughs> The one of the rare times where I've read the book and you haven't. I know. It's, it's a little strange. Um, for some reason, thick soft cover is just like a great band name in my. Head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Sheriff Bannerman, played by Tom Skerritt. I literally don't know what I intended to write as a note under his name because I just wrote bullet point Tom Skerritt. That's it. <laughs> uh, a treasured character actor who still is with us, so that's that's good. Yeah, they should bring him back for Castle Rock. Yeah. That would be um, interesting. This, yeah, this character is great. The, he navigates the world really well, especially especially like not necessarily being a believer, but being kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, like you're kind of my last resort. There's a serial killer on the loose. Can you, like, can you just help in any way? Uh-huh. And he's sort of just open to the idea. Oh, especially because he gets to be in the scariest part of the movie, which is when they go to yeah. his, like, deputy's house. Sheriff. Sheriff. I thought it told you to stay by the car. Who's there? Uh, it's Sheriff Bannerman. I want to talk to your son, Mrs. Dodd. He ain't here. Well, his patrol car is out here. Well, his car is here, but he ain't. He's here. I saw him in the window. I'm telling you, he ain't at home. I'm coming in, Mr. No! Truly it's horrifying. very, like, 7-esque, kind of like, yeah. the mom opens the door and she's like, what do you want? And he's like, you knew. You, you knew. You knew. <laughs> um, um, I wrote down this. Not a great look for a sheriff when your own man turns out to be the town's most notorious serial killer. Also not a great look when you're killed by a dog. Fun fact, <laughs> Sheriff Brenneman is killed by it's Cujo killed by- the dog, who some theorize that uh, the deputy Dodd, who's the serial killer, mm-hmm. his soul oh, is trapped in the dog. In the dog. That's why the dog kills. Killer dog. Um, who'd you pick? Um, so for my Sheriff Bannerman, I picked Billy Crudup. Mm, that's really good. Uh, um, Billy Crudup. Yes, and I feel like he's one of those actors that when I see him and stuff, I'm excited. But then I, it's not like I, I think to like want him in things necessarily mm-hmm. and so i was like i really want to give him a moment yeah to just be a cool um cool guy a cool guy in the middle of, but like in a in the middle of like the larger stephen king universe uh-huh. i feel like he is one of those actors where we'd be like yeah this is exciting because we we love billy Crudup. who doesn't love almost famous oh that's i was i watched rocket man the other day and i i it reminded me of the scene in Almost Famous where they're like, they just, the band has just had a huge fight and they get on the, the plane. Mm-hmm. And is it the plane scene or is it the bus scene? I think maybe it's a bus scene and Tiny Dancer comes on. Oh, the bus, yeah. The bus scene. Yeah, the plane scene is when the plane almost crashes and then the drummer reveals that he's gay. He's like, I'm gay. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, That's a great pick. I yeah. think it's it should be kind of like, 
it, we should treat sheriffs and Stephen King novels like people play like Batman. I think I think there's like <laughs> or like Jedi Knights. I think there's something really interesting of how Stephen King portrays like law enforcement mm-hmm. in his books. Um, because most of the time they all die. They're usually, I mean, not Dodd because he's like the killer, but. They're usually all good people, mm-hmm. and they all usually end up getting murdered. Yeah, it's a little strange, right? I don't know how to. I don't know how to dig into that. But like, it's true that they are to use a, a even even the idea of like using a sheriff mm-hmm. as a as a like a it's character as if that's as, as if in a small town like this that's not like a, an elected position. Yeah, um, it's very. It's supposed to be very like these are the knights of. The story, mm-hmm. the good guys with a code who are trying to, trying to like solve a, the larger mystery, and um, they rarely do. It's usually other characters. Yeah, it's a little strange. Um, yeah, I went with. Uh, so here's, I said this earlier. Like, I kind of saw Bannerman as sort of like old, uh, not dead center old country for old men. Like kind of like Tommy Lee Jones, where mm-hmm. he's he just can't do it anymore. But he's sort of he's sort of starting that version of himself yeah. because like he can't, he's literally out of all clues and the guys next to him, like that to me is like, that's not a great look. And then it's like, he's like, Oh, let me go to this fortune teller. <laughs> you know, let's see if yeah. this guy can give me any insight. Well, I guess I've come to you with what you could call a proposal, John. Uh, it has to do with these murders we've been having. The castle rock killer. I'm sure you've heard of him. Sure. I don't know whether it's true or not, uh, John, about these psychic powers of yours. But if it is true, John, I could use your help. Take a minute to think about it. But bear in mind some decent young women from homes just like this met with terrible, terrible deaths. But then there's a shift in the house when they know that Dodd is the guy. Yeah. That it's sort of like the old kind of cop in him comes out and he's like fully ready to get his man mm-hmm. so i wanted to pick a person who could portray a man completely out of his depth in mm-hmm. regards to the supernatural and serial murderers but then when he like believes it and and like knows who the killer is he's sort of um exciting to watch and like you could believe that he was like you know sort of bloodhound on the guy i picked kevin bacon the bakes. The bakes. Kevin bakes. Could you imagine like the door? Oh, it's like knock on the door, and you see the cop car, and then like you and open he's the door. Got, he's like back to. He's like back to the door. Mm-hmm. And you open the door, and then and he you turns. turns around, and it's like Kevin fucking Bacon. I'm yeah. I'm never sad to see Kevin Bacon. Right. He's the best. Yeah. The best. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. I think he's at that age where it's like I could believe him as a small town sheriff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I have no, I have no qualms, qualms. How could you? With Kevin Bacon, no. it is I do, and I can see him as like a, truly a favorite trope of mine is the cop who is just too old for this shit. Yeah, and so I can see him being the kind of guy who's like, yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for forever, but we've never handled anything like this. Yeah, and so I don't really know what to do because there's no clues. Yeah, like I'm used to dealing with. I think uh, in my version of. The dead zone, though, there needs to be like a silence of the lambs, like moment through the house, or like, you know, because like Dodd's death in the bathtub is creepy and weird. It's because when you're alone with a killer, 
it is unsettling. Mm-hmm. Like the the whole thing about Buffalo Bill is like when we're alone with him in his house, it's like being alone with an insane person. You're right. like, this is I feel crazy. Right. I think there needs we to need, be more. Yeah. I think there needs to be a little more um, plot point in there. I won't say adventure, but like plot point of like maybe he's killed his mother. Maybe you know, I don't know. A la Psycho. A la any serial killer story usually there's like a dead mom in the there's usually well Wasn't maybe not usually a dead mom but there's a there's an overbearing mother because that's yeah. how you end yeah i mean some would say that's right. how you end up that way right. um yeah no i think that's i think all this makes sense and i agree i would love to see a moment where we see how the uh dodd connects to the larger world mm-hmm. because really yeah like his stuff is the scariest stuff in the movie right um, I do. I do think like the visions we'd also want to be a little freakier. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it's called the dead zone. Like you don't want just the visions to be like. <laughs> and instead, we get Christopher Walken going. Ah. Like the scariest ah! thing in the vision is Christopher Walken being like, "There's still time. There's still time to save it. the house is on want, fire." Do you know what I would love is if it's like you know how in Saw when like the detectives arrive at the scene and it's just like the aftermath of what's happened. Sure. And so then the cuts back show you in this really unsettling way how this person found out they were going to die. Yeah. And I want that. Yes. Of like, it's like we're seeing for the first time the worst thing. Right. And it's this very sort of like flashy, but it's not, we're not flashing back to the actor's face to be like, <laughs> no, we can do better. Um, I agree. Let's move on to Congressman Greg Stilson, who I... Played by Martin Sheen, who I argue this was the hardest character for me to cast. Not hard. <laughs> I struggled. <laughs> I, I, I had a person in here, and then I, I wanted to save him for something else, and I was like, I don't have anyone. So who I picked was like, uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I, I don't think it's going to be as good as Kevin Bacon. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's an A-plus choice by, you ended, by You guy. began and ended your <laughs> cast there. Um, but I mentioned this earlier, like, uh, I wanted there to be a connection between Johnny and Stilson mm-hmm. in the way that, like, one, if one is good, if one uses this power for good and mm-hmm. ultimately has to die for the greater good, the other one has to have been, like, touched by evil and is, like, the visions are singular. And, like, because I love that moment where uh, he gets interested about, like, why is everyone talking about this congressman? Mm-hmm. And it's so funny where they're like, have you heard about Congressman Stilson? And then you look and there's like a and he's huge like, billboard. Yeah, think? He's like, yeah, I have. Anyways, but he goes out in the crowd and they shake hands. Yeah. And then he sees the vision where Stilson is like, I have this destiny. I'm going to fulfill this destiny. He sees a vision where Stilson wakes up in the middle of the night and decides to nuclear nuke attack somewhere. somewhere. Can't be while I slept, Sonny. My destiny. In the middle of the night, it came to me. I must get up now, right now, and fulfill my destiny. Now you put your goddamn hand on that scanning screen, or I'll hack it off and put it on for you. And it looks like the scene is taking place in like a black box theater. Well, this is also very like Stephen Kingy, right? Like, isn't the stand about a nuclear attack like? Oh, I don't isn't know. isn't it like the stand is too big of a book for me? I think it's I think it's Vegas though, but it's like the idea is that a nuclear attack will bring about like the end of the world, and like mm-hmm. the forces of evil are set to launch bombs, it's like and the forces huge. of good are trying to stop. Them. Yeah, it is. It the movie goes from teeny teeny tiny to massive yes. in an instant. Yes, 
And the whole time you're looking at it and you're not thinking like, whoa, this guy's a bad guy. You're thinking they're going to nuke someone. Yeah. But I, I sort of anyways, I, I sort of was like this. I think the movie is scariest when you see that Stilson might be born of some evil. Mm. And Stilson needs to be in this movie a little bit more to show how maybe that link between the two. Yeah. Um, because he is in the book. Like the book opens where you where Stilson like he's a little boy and he like kills a dog like American Psycho like. Um, and I think this could also help show his villainy more because I, I, I don't know what, like, I think it's really interesting where like Johnny is the only one who knows that this guy's like a fucking nightmare. The audience knows he's a nightmare, but everyone else thinks he's like, I don't know, whatever. Like, Mm. like most politicians, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Don't gotta tell me that. (laughs) Um, I ended up picking Wes Bentley. Oh, interesting. I find him very untrustworthy just looking at him. He is a very like <laughs> weird face. And what's great is I, I don't I don't I don't know if we have new listeners, but I am very visual when I pick my cast. Mm-hmm. And I found this photo of him. He looks like Mitt Romney's son. He looks like a cross between like Taz Romney or whatever their stupid fucking names are, and like Paul Ryan. And it's like what I like about that. What I, what I like is like pulling the idea that it's like, hey, I'm just like one of you. I'm like, I'm your neighbor. I'm your yeah. friend. Like, you know me. Like, and I'm going to go to Washington. He even says this. Like, I'm going to go to Washington. I'm going to show him like, like, blah, 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 blah. But like deep inside, he's like the fucking devil. Well, as you know, I'm damn near even in the polls. See, I'm catching on. The people got a need for me. I'm going to win. I'm going to win big. And I'll tell you something else. I have had a vision that I am going to be president of the United States someday. And I have accepted that responsibility, and nobody, I mean nobody, is going to stop me. And then, I don't know, I think Wes Bentley can, like, portray, like, in the light, like, really, like, I'm just a guy just like you. And then, like, in the in the shadows, he's, like, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think... It's interesting because Wes Bentley, to me, seems very like, oh, this guy's shady from the jump. Right. But it would be great if we believed, Mar- like, if we believed that character. Because that's the thing is, like, I, I don't quite believe that Martin Sheen is a good guy from jump. Mm-hmm. But it would be great to see a, to have seen a scene in between, instead of constantly following Christopher Walken, to have some of these breaks where we're approaching the other characters yeah. outside of their relation to him yeah where we see stilson with his little like lackey yeah having some conversation um where we get an idea of of like even him like walking out of the house and being like i need your money i need your support i need you we're friends and then he leaves and he's like already i don't know something like that but yeah like it would be it we need to see more of him to understand we need to see some foreshadowing that he is like true evil, not just like a politician of like all politicians lie. It's part mm-hmm. of what politics is like instead of that just being like, OK, we need to get an idea that like he is the end of the world. Right. I had this weird thought. and Maybe this makes it worse. Is there a version of this story where Sarah ends up with Stilson or is Stilson so evil that it wouldn't make sense for her to like have fallen for him i mean this is a question i asked myself when he goes to his rally and she is with him mm-hmm. when he like walks through the door and there was a part of me that was like oh like there could be a relationship there yeah. um they don't portray her in that way but i think that's entirely possible okay 
because like he, he because her husband like Dexter, doesn't like he hides every shade of darkness yeah. from her in every way because like yeah plus i honestly it would create some more uh drama of like he uses his own son as a human shield <laughs> and the idea that like johnny might go to her to be like hey yeah what's going on yeah and then maybe maybe we don't feel as bad when she rolls up to his house and is like let's do this yeah no i think that's a great choice he's a yeah, we we get the we yeah. get the sleaziness of him. Yeah. Um so for my Greg Stilson, first of all, I love how prescient this movie gets because I was like I love the idea honestly of like a political horror movie. Yeah. Which I guess in a way like The Manchurian Candidate kind of is. Um uh The Purge? Yeah. Yeah, in that way that like in a in a time when our uh, government seems to be one of the scariest things in our in our world. Like I like that as an idea. Like draw from the life. Right. If we want to draw from true life, like what are people scared of? People are scared that like we're a democracy and our government isn't attempting to take care of its people. Um, and so I love the idea that the whole the larger threat to the world is this guy who is fooling everyone and. Only Johnny knows that he has to get him. Yeah. Which is wild just in any case of him, like, literally jumping off a bus with this huge gun case <laughs> and, like, walking into a building to spend the night so he can be there. And no one goes up into the second row. Like, the whoever the security, like, is managing the security is so bad at their job or maybe yeah. it's just really easy to assassinate people in the 80s but like i mean apparently i don't know i was gonna ask it was you, really like, easy to assassinate people in the 80s well, like the guy who tried to kill reagan just like walked up yeah, to reagan he and just, just fired. did yeah um i was gonna ask you this do you think in a modern day version the public assassination would still play or do you think this is what i'm asking like do you think in in the modern version johnny would show up with well, I think he would show like, up with a loaded th- rifle. Like, do you think that he would play? Because in the book, and I, I had to brush up on this because I don't remember this, but in, according to Wikipedia in the book, um, he's very much a pacifist. And so, like, mm-hmm. the idea of going to murder someone is very much not in his character, which is why yeah. he's so the opposite of Stilson, who would literally, like, chop a man's hand off and put it on the nuclear code. Which is like, funny because in the movie... When Christopher Walken, like, cites him up, it happens like that. Mm-hmm. In a second, he is, like, there. Yeah. And you're like, oh, 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 oh. Like, like Christopher Walken knows how to shoot It's just going to happen. Yeah. And I was just wondering, like, maybe there, is there a version where, like, Johnny shows up with a gun, but it's not loaded because he knows, like, just just the mere fact that he has it would sort of work or do you think it ha- he has uh, to he has to try and kill this person like that's an interesting thought about like just him sort of like it, he sacrifices himself in the way of i'm just gonna make it i just need the world to see what a chump you really are to get you out of the like running i mean that's interesting it depends on how uh honestly how like um what's the word how like observant he is of him to think like because there are two scenarios it's i have to kill you or you are the type of personality where i could just get i could show people who you really are and we'd be done with this Mm -hmm. and so if he knew if he was um 
if he was observant enough to be like, oh, I don't have to. Maybe. Something about a public shooting in a movie just is like, we have to change this. It's true. It's true. I, but and I, I don't have any solution for it yet. Like, yeah. I was like, maybe it's a bomb. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's a little less like someone walking into a crowd and shooting a gun. Yeah. Like, we have to we have to know, like, not that, not that we, like, want to create a new way for the people who do that stuff to do that stuff. But, like, what's a different way that we could threaten him? Maybe, because it, the maybe drama, it happens in private and, like, maybe Johnny uses his power to kind of, like, I don't know. Because the drama of him, like, putting the kid in front of him is wild. Yeah. Like, it's a great, it's great. ending of, like, he didn't even, like, nobody, well, Johnny died, but, like, nobody had to die in that sense for it to be, like, for right. people to, like, memorialize. Well, Stilson, Stilson. ends up killing himself. Yeah. So yeah. two people die. But that's, I kind of like that because it's like both these superpowered people are now off the board. Yeah. And the world can continue on as, as normal. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that's, I think it's just a very interesting angle to pull. It's even more interesting now than it was in the eighties. Cause I feel like we're all in a place where we're like, yeah, how do you expose liars and fakes mm-hmm. before they even get into office? We're asking. We're help. <laughs> please call call nine one one if you figure if it out. Like it's from an the emergency. Past is listening, please help. Um, uh, who'd you pick? So I picked Corey Stoll. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I don't believe Corey Stoll is ever good though. You know what I mean? Like, really? Because see, I see, and and maybe it is the the House of Cards of it, mm-hmm. where like you see him as this sort of. In that instance, you see him as a toy that, like, Frank is playing with, mm-hmm. essentially. And so you see maybe, like, you know, he's not bad, but, like, he's highly suggestible and yeah. he could easily turn. But then he's already done, like, villainous turns. Yeah. And so you've seen him be – I can see him both ways. I can see him being the guy smiling and shaking hands and making you feel all right. And then as soon as he's out the door, he's, like, nailed it. I'm, I, I'm trying to think of – so he's a bad guy in Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy in the in the, the strain, strain, but he's like a reluctant good guy. I feel like I don't know. He's like a dad with a kid, and there's a past with his wife. Um, yeah, I've watched I mean, like he, one for, episode. Of this. Like he can <laughs> totally play this role. Yeah, I think just for me, I guess it doesn't matter because you know that Stilson's the bad guy. So it's like, why am I hiding the fact that Corey Stoll is a bad person? Yeah. So yeah, okay. Do you All think right. bald people are electable? Yeah. <laughs> I'm now thinking, trying to think of like a bald politician that in recent years that we've elected. Or do they all look like I mean, Lex Luthor and we're all like... TBH. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Cory Booker's never gonna... We won't let it. I like Cory Stoll. I think that's a great pick. Yeah. And especially I, if I don't have to like... If I see more of Stilson's evil, then Cory Stoll is, is a yeah. great choice for this. But if we're like hiding it, which I don't think we're saying that we should... Meh. All right. Well, let's get to our uh, favorite cast member of this reboot. Barry Pepper. Guys, where does Barry Pepper go? I made him, and I couldn't figure out this character's name for some reason, but I made him like Stilson's like staff guy. Oh. Who did I make him? I made him Roger Stewart. I don't know who that is. Huh, who's Roger, Roger Stewart? Stewart? The guy who hires Johnny to be his son's tutor and mm-hmm. like almost kills his son. The right-hand man, was the right-hand man... The right-hand man gave me, which this sort of made me laugh, but the right-hand man gave me, like, Reed Scott vibes, which sort of made me laugh because he's such a mess on Veep. 
Uh, but he's also like a political oh, yeah. aide. Um, but I like I like there be I like him as sort of a menacing presence bus beside like a guy who is like smiling his face off. Mm-hmm. Um, I got this weird vibe that like the side the the. I mean, just he's, a side guy. He's like. I mean, the, I, I, I'm assuming he's like chief of staff. Yeah, he's like an aide, but, but he he's sort also of like seems muscle. like a bodyguard. Yeah, I got this weird vibe that he was the the man in black, who's like a very famous Stephen King character. Oh. That he had some other like weird dealings with like evil because, which I love that if we set Barry Pepper up to be the lead the, of like, like a whole other, yeah, let's do like, that. Um, because it's at the end where he's like, "Did you get that guy with the camera?" And he's just like, "No." Because he, he sort of knew that this guy yeah. sort of knew that he's like, we're done. done. Yeah. And so he's like, well, my game didn't play out because this fucking asshole showed up. But I, I can always move on. Stilson's going to die. I, I can go and disappear into the shadows and like yeah. work for the Crimson King or whatever. Like um, a little Dark Tower reference, guys. Okay. Um, Nobody knows what you're talking about. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Roland Deschain, the gunslinger. Um... Okay, yeah. Do you have? I don't have any other notes. I think we pretty much. Oh, I have a through. huge note. There is a part in this movie where there's a, a box of Cheerios sitting on a table, and on the back of the box is a recipe for something called hot buttered Cheerios. Think about I that. I wonder if it's like hot <laughs> buttered Cheerios. What is that? I'm gonna make these and report back because okay. I literally paused the movie to look at the back of this Cheerios box. <laughs> Hot buttered Cheerios. That's so that's such an eighties. Some, somebody who poor snack. was like, alive in the eighties. Tell me about it. Salt. I was alive in the eighties. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. it I mean, you were also time. alive in the thirties. So. I was alive. <laughs> I'm a hundred years old. Do you have anything else other than like old school recipes? No, it re- it was mostly the Cheerios. <laughs> we'll report back next week. <laughs> I can't. We're about to record that episode in 10 minutes. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week on The Boot. If you like this episode, please check out our past episodes. Please stick with us next week. We have a great one in store for you. Tell your friends, your family, coworkers. Uh, Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. Both are important, and we would love both of them. You can also find us now on Kofi, where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this podcast. That link is in the description and all over Twitter. I'm practicing to be the after at like prescription ads person. Mm-hmm. You can also find us on social media at the Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram, or you can find us separately because I am running for Congress. You missed your opportunity oh, sorry. to say the ice is gonna break. The ice is gonna break at Film B and at Kindred. <laughs> that totally beat. Alright guys, we'll see you next time.
I'd really like to see you do some serious chugging.